So, Dan, I think we have a few interesting topics for this week. I, I think so too. What's, right. What do you What you got? Well, we had requests, right? Is that true? Yeah, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine, and he asked. He's you know a newish listener, and he asked about um, a couple of things that we've talked about in the past. He was looking for some more details, and and he was also asking about some other stuff. So um, I don't know if we want to start in with that stuff. That's all photo related stuff. Okay. Well, you know, here my idea can be is a more general internet meme, I guess. Just mm. just the concept of people reviewing things online. Mm. Like people, you know, you go on Amazon.com for the nose hair trimmer you just bought and you look at the 1,500 reviews by people, mm-hmm. uh, pro and con. And I guess, the, I guess the point is that how do you know who to trust? Because you can find good and bad reviews for every product, you know. Like true. scathing reviews and five star. This is the best thing ever. Reviews for every product. No, it's true. So you know, how do you deal with that? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, mean, I guess do you, re- do you read these things or do you stick with like you know if you're looking for a tech thing, do you stick with Walt Mossberger's review or <laughs> or Ars Technica? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it really. Def- I mean, we really have to be specific here because um, different different sites are or different. Um, Areas have different uh, characteristics. Um, the do you first, go for specialists, though? What, um, like, if you, I'm looking for tech stuff, I usually go to a non-tech. You know, that that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I I guess, you know, I, I'll tend to, to trust, or, or not trust, but I'll, I'll tend to start at a store versus... A physical store. Well, not at a physical store, but, you know, at an Amazon, at a Newegg, at a, you know, at a, at a place... At you know B and H or J and R or whatever, um, you know online store w- storefront websites that have customer reviews because you know that means the people who are writing the reviews have have actually used the stuff. Whereas what you're talking about, um, like going to N and Tech or 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 you know Slashdot or yeah. you know an actual tech based website, that's just one guy's opinion. True, um, and I don't know, man, I. Short well, of- hold on a second. Then, well, like Newegg, a lot of times though, it's like, oh, this hard drive is great. How long have I used it? Six hours. It's fast <laughs> no. and quiet. You know, no, like, it, it's true. It, you yeah, know. and if you're only if you're, if you're looking at three reviews, then that sucks. But if you look at, you know, an, an item that has two, three hundred reviews, you're yeah, you're going to get one or two of those. Do you throw out the outliers? What's that? Do you cut the outliers out? You know, do you, do you, do you disqualify the East German judge? um i i guess i do um it just i don't know it's it's hard uh the other thing is i don't really depend on that kind of stuff too much you know i'm yeah almost more inclined to go with my gut or to get something with the intention of returning it or you know accepting accepting my fate i guess you could say or even more so um real world like actually going on a, on a referral from someone whom I actually know or have actually, you know, seen sure. in, in real life. You know, in some of these sites, I, I think even Apple store, they actually curate the comments. No. Oh yeah, they do for sure. So, especially Apple, I think. Right. I mean, yeah, Apple does. So how do you trust? I mean, cause they're all they're, if they're, if they kill every bad review, the reviews are meaningless. Agreed. Right? And yeah, I mean the same thing can be said for uh, the iTunes store as well. You know, yeah. it's the, their reviews of, you know, podcasts apps 
music, TV shows, you know, all, any of the stuff that you can buy on that. I, I, I don't think Newegg messes around, though. No, I don't think so either, because I've read some stuff that's like, what the hell, <laughs> you know. There's some pretty <laughs> bad, like, substantially bad reviews for products, you know, certain yeah. things that only have. I think Amazon stars. does curate as well. Well, Amazon does that other interesting thing where they're just like, this person is a a plus reviewer has reviewed X amount of stuff. And you know what I mean? Like there's certain people who write the three, four paragraph reviews on Amazon mm-hmm. get special billing. I guess so. Up higher. I, I, I haven't noticed that much. The, you know, the other, the other, just speaking of which the other review type site context, um, where it's actually really, I think a little bit more important is eBay. Um, you know, with the seller's feedback rating. Yeah, but do you ever get anything other than A plus, super good, whatever? I do. No, I do. do. Okay. Yeah, but I think I'm a, I'm a heavier eBayer than you are. You are substantially so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's funny because um, I I guess I I've sort of over the years um, sort of developed a, a kind of uh, intuition about you know online you know shopping online essentially just to kind of sum it up you know because sometimes you know you get the impression you know if like if the photograph is accurate or not like if it's a stock photo or if it's the actual item itself on ebay not 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 only on ebay even like uh you know like let's say you're shoe shoe shopping on on zappos or whatever you know um it's like you, you can I don't know. You can sort of just tell when someone puts the, that extra level of effort into it, um, or or on the opposite side, that you know, there's a certain lack of effort or accuracy or something. You know, like if it doesn't read like it's been spell checked or written yeah. in English. I, I don't know. There's just it's just. And I mean, it's the same thing. You know, I, I mean, maybe this is a similar analogy to like you ever you ever get an email like an that that you start reading the email and you're like, wait a second, there's something a little funny about this email. And, you know, you start paying a little closer attention. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, okay, this is a bulk, you know, this is spam. You know, yeah, this is sure. some, some of the better spam can, can creep through your spam filter and, and you're, you know, you're reading it. But then there's still, you still kind of know, you know, like there's still that weird little voice inside your head that recognizes it after a minute or after a couple of seconds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you think products are like this? Um, well, I'm not like that, but I'm saying that it's that same that same, sense. Yeah, that same online internet intuition um, that I guess just for me has has been developing over the years where I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm I, maybe, or maybe I'm just really lucky because I yeah. haven't really been screwed or taken advantage of or, you know, um, uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I've been, been pretty fortunate with my online existence, you know, as far as shopping yeah. is concerned. You know, you know, what else is true? I mean, like, um, you know, let's say you were looking for your, your, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, some people get ad reviews that are poison pills. You know what I mean? Like people p- put in purposely negative reviews to, you know, of, I don't know, like a, a doctor or a, you know, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people try to trash talk people, photographers, you know, yeah, yeah, this guy I mean, was an asshole because, you know, whatever, you know, and it's just like, well, you didn't even know him, but you're a competitor and you're trying to rip him down. You know, no, that there's that. And then the, and on the flip there, there are guys who are obviously like plants or seeds. It's right, like, oh my, saying, this is the best ever. Absolutely. Sure. Highly recommended. I wrote it myself. I mean, uh-huh. what's the answer to that? I mean, is it, is it the slash dot thing where like that kind of stuff can get voted up and down and it's a, it's a crowdsourced moderated, so to speak. Like yeah. dig, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. 
I mean, can you do that like on Newegg? It, the reviews are just reviews. There's no way to like go make comments, is there? Uh, no, I don't think you can. I mean, you can't review the reviews, th- as it were. No, I think the way it works. Um, I know Amazon does this because it's Amazon is ex- particularly. Um, I don't want to use the word egregious, but they're very. I will say enthusiastic. I mean, man, I, you know, they must have a very specifically <clears throat> tuned system in place where, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, after a certain number of days or, or weeks, you'll get an email, an automated email saying, hey, what did you think review of that thing that you bought? Yeah. Review, review your product, review yeah, your yeah. Yeah. experience, review your seller, you know, that kind of thing, um, which I think is smart. Um, it's, and it's, I think some sites do it better than others. Yeah, it's it's an inter- it's an interesting thing because I mean a lot of people talk about how, um, how you know the internet and this whole crowdsourcing of opinions is the next wave you know of politics of 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 product reviews of all this kind of stuff you know like if you don't know the answer ask everybody you know <laughs> yeah you know what I mean like I mean Yahoo Answers is another thing yeah you know, I was looking at something up Meta Filter I think is yeah. another one like um, for example uh, lately. For some strange reason, every few times that I open up Photoshop, for whatever reason, Adobe has deleted my preferences and resets them. So I don't know why, but it's really frustrating because it resets my rulers to pikas or, you know what I mean? Like that kind Mm. of crap. Uh Um, And I have no idea why it's doing it. And go on the internet and try to find me an answer to that question. It's impossible. Right. You know, because there's... You know, four hundred billion people, and none, all of them are just like, "Have you checked the permissions of the folder where the permit?" You know, yeah, like, dude, they're, that's not the problem. You know, no, I, I something yeah. is resetting them. I, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I do. I know exactly. What, I mean, yeah, and and that's that's the thing that really can drive you crazy, man. It's this Although, whole like, well, you know, it's the same problem I had with uh, my Silverlight plugin, and Netflix wasn't working. I could right. not. Netflix would crash, crash, crash. I looked everywhere. Turns out the answer was that I turned off the tablet PC service in Windows. Right. Because it messes with my Wacom. Right. And apparently Silverlight needs that. Or, you know, doesn't. Right. Never no, thought that I, anyone would manually go shut that off. And it's at, this weird bug. Exactly. What I was going to say before is basically odds are whatever issue you're experiencing, you know, yourself. You're not the first person to have it happen. You know, someone out there has probably experienced something very similar, if not exactly like it. Yeah. Um, what I think is fascinating, um, and this this is this is a little bit more abstract. I don't know why this just came to my head, but I'll I'll share it. Um, what I think is interesting is is when um, certain ah, uh, what's the word? Cer- certain things sort of seem to coincide. Okay. Um, and, and I'm, I'm talking even more abstractly, like, like, um, f- here's a classic example. So you'll go, so I'll be cruising, um, on, uh, on, uh, uh, a website that, that scans, uh, Usenet listings, right? Like we were right. talking about last week, right? By, so by the way, I need to update you on my latest stuff in there. Okay. We'll get to that. So anyway, so you're, cru- you're cruising your latest, uh, your, your favorite, um, Usenet index site and you're looking in the the movies um you know like alt.binaries.divix or something like that um and you know whatever films you know whatever ones are are posted most recently are going to you know all, almost definitely have this weird effect where like 
you know, a lot of these guys link to IMDb in the info files so that you can actually go and see what that thing is. So then you go to IMDb and IMDb actually tracks popularity uh, of, of films and, 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 you know, people. Yep. And, and I think it's really, to me, it's, it's kind of fascinating that, you know, you know that some of that activity is totally tied to this weird sort of subversive, yeah. you know, It could be a film no one's ever heard of, but somebody posted on Usenet, so there was 10,000 people looking right, at the thing. Right, right. And the same thing happens with, like... It's all very like meta. Software, too. You know, it's like, oh, all, all of a sudden, everyone's looking for this, this one crack or this one serial number because this one thing got posted at this one place. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's just... I, that stuff is all interrelated somehow. No, um, it is. And it's, I don't know, I get really, it, it, it really kind well, of fascinates me. You know, it's also one of these things where everything affects everything else in that world. You know, like, like you were saying, somebody posts something on Usenet that leads to the IMDB thing and that raises the thing. So maybe people outside of Usenet look at that and they, you know, so it's right. like everything starts affecting everything else, like this big echo chamber, you know? Right. And then that, so that kind of brings me back around. It's like, well, like, so, so the odds are, I, long ago, I, I, I realized that I'm not the only one who figured who who knows the stuff that I know. There there has to be another dude, or we'll say a dozen other dudes who are about the same age as me, who started out at the same time as me, and made very similar decisions and have very similar tastes. And you know, we have, you know, we're all does all twelve of us are just as likely to come across this situation. You know, situation X. Uh, as as any other you know any other person, and you are the twelve people who should be in a Facebook group together. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, or, or but but that, that's the kind of thing where it's like we're the twelve people who might have all been at the uh, you know in line at the same movie and not yeah. known. You know, it's like there's just no way you can know who these people are because you know you know I guess we're separating. The, there's the whole online uh, identity versus in real life identity thing. Sure. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting as well. I mean, have you, have you had a, I guess you, you've probably more so than me, I, although it's not even that big of a deal anymore, but remember, remember back in the day when like meeting somebody that you met online in person yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it's, I guess it's, we sort of just take it for granted now. No, um, we totally do. But man, I, mean, I then there's I, plenty of people that you don't ever meet and you have this relationship with that's in many ways closer than a relationship you have with people Totally. You know, no, dude, which is I, fascinating. I, I still have a. Pro- I would. I'm going to say I have two or three friends who I see online, who I've been friends with, God, for like ten or twelve years, who I've never met in person, haven't even spoken to, you know, in real time like this. Yeah. Who know all kinds of random specific stuff, like know me as this one kind of person, who yeah. I might ever never see in, in real life ever. What is your What is your handle when you don't want to use your name? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Not not um, not in public anyway. Well, look at, that look would at, defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? Look at Craig. Uh, my friend Craig worked on a bunch of design projects with uh, Heather's brother Frank in Colorado, and I don't think they ever spoke on the phone. Yeah, you know, I think it was all email and texts, and you know, it's weird. It's fascinating. I, I think it's cool. Yeah, no, I think it's totally really cool. Uh, so, just a quick update on the whole Usenet thing. Yeah. So I signed up for Super News. Super news, nice. Which is working fine. Neat. My question is, mm-hmm. NZBs are us. Yeah. You can, you know, the, you, you can pay per month or whatever it is. Yeah. They currently have a thing for 10 bucks lifetime membership. Right on. You think that's a good idea? I, I don't know. I could tell you, I, I've paid way more than that for way less, you know, for, for garbage. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. You know? So that's a, that's a reputable place? I don't know. I, I've been using them for, jeez. 
six months easily, if not more. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, the reason I started using them is is kind of why I pointed you into that into in uh, into their direction. Trying to find a curation. Basically, yeah, kind of to help filter out the junk. Because what's happened now is because Usenet has gotten so goddamn easy, um, the uh, the spammers, you know, and scammers or whatever you want to call them, yeah, uh, Just are taking advantage. So they, yeah. what they basically do is they target because because Usenet is is totally anonymous. There's nothing stopping you from masquerading as someone else. Sure. Um, so what these guys do is they 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 sort of scope out a release group's release for, you know, a show or a movie or whatever. Usually it's a show. Uh, and then they copy everything, the header, everything. Like, they repost uh, a file that's identical in size or very close to it in size. And it's usually within five minutes of the original. Uh, and now, next thing you know, you do your search and you see these two files sitting right next to each other. Same headers, same everything. Yeah. Maybe a couple megs difference in file size. And how are you supposed to know which is the one? Exactly. You, down, you download theirs, and then you know you've wasted whatever the the three hundred megs or however big the file is. And then you have a RAR file with a you know little HTML link. You know, click here for password. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah I hate and that that's crap. that sucks. I mean, I it, it that started driving me up the wall. So I found uh, this this one particular site, NZB's R Us, um, which seems to it, it's sort of like it's kind of harkens back to the old uh newsbin thing but it's much less uh i think it's only like i don't think there's as many people doing it um right. i think it's a little bit more automated and uh but that's fine as long as it can tell me which is the one file to download the latest version of a house yeah well you know? again once you once you include people once humans are involved you know yeah. The, it, just like that, you know, the safety and torrents thing. It's like, well, you know, if there's a hundred people downloading this file, it's pretty safe to assume that there's not yeah. a virus, you know, because hey, the the first person would have noticed it. Quick thing, uh, yeah. zip versus uncompressed NZB. Um, doesn't matter. Um, does, does if the you're app using know both, or yeah, do you have if, you, to unzip if you're it? using SAP NZBD, it knows what to do with a zip file, or at least it, it knows what to do with a GZ file. So, okay. um, I'm assuming it should know what to do with a regular zip file. Uh, you know, here's well, there's a good question, right? Because People are all talking about the meta web, you know, that, that websites can talk to websites. So this information doesn't need to touch human hands before it can start making sense. You know, that computers can start the whole semantic web concept, you know, XML and all that. Uh-huh. Well, it's interesting because, you know, here's a good example. All these people are putting this stuff up. You would think that these computers would be able to figure out what the good files are, you know, and that kind of stuff. But... Because humans are so nefarious and terrible, well, not yeah. all of us, but you know what I mean. Yeah. There's enough of us that ruin that idea that that the data will be good enough for computers to use itself. No, it's true. I mean, and it's kind of sad. sad. It only takes like one shitty experience, one shitty person, one shitty yeah. transaction to kind of to spoil it. That's really know? frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that, that what what actually kind of fascinates me. Is is how rare that is in the real world, man. I mean, how easy is it for someone to simply like think of it this way? Like classic example, you have a a, a two lane, um, like take one of those um, any of the avenues in in Brooklyn, right? You live on on, on one of the main avenues. Yeah. Um, let, let's say you go to like Prospect Park West. What one? Any any one of the or Third Ave or Fourth Ave or whatever. Sure. One of those roads that has traffic flowing in both directions, yes. right? But there isn't anything. Standing, there's no physical divider between the the you know the you know the uptown and downtown or you know yeah. 
but eastbound or westbound on traffic. Own side. People stay on their side. How easy is it for someone to sneeze or slip or blink or whatever and just toss the wheel just a second and crash into somebody else and cause just mass amounts of damage and, and hysteria? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it boggles my mind how, how rare that is. It, well, I, mean, I mean, I think civilization, by the way, I just had cookies delivered to me. Mm. Hot chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven. Mm. Yeah, this good this for is you. Gonna, this is going to be good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think civilization is like that. Period. You know, the, the amount of assumptions we make to make everyone think that, like, if suddenly there was no more gas, that we'd still remain civilized. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it would get ugly fast. No, that's true. You know. Oh, by the way, so I took my showdown yesterday. Took your show down? Oh, right, at the Soho Gallery. Yeah, it was very sad, actually. Aw. How did it go? Did you sell any pictures? Uh, I'm working on that. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, but um, it was weird taking them down, you know? Well, I mean, you put so much time and energy into putting them up. Yeah, and now I have this, you know, pile of framed pictures on my living room. Yeah. That's probably um, a big pile, too. It is a substantial pile, yeah. Hmm. But, um... Anyway, just a little aside. Yeah. So tell me about our requests. Oh, okay. Uh, well, a while ago, we were talking about... Um, I can't remember exactly what we were talking I think we were talking about censors. One of the one of the censor show, you know, we're, I know we've, we've, we've talked about... Stuff? Yeah, like medium format sized censors versus, sure. you know, point and shoot or DSLR. Uh, and then we, we got a... We got into dynamic range, and then we we, we mentioned the the concept or the term bracketing, mm-hmm. and I guess um, we never really explained what bracketing was. Although I feel like we did, but whatever, it's not that not that big. So, okay. um, so yeah, my, my friend was just asking me, hey, "What the hell is bracketing?" and 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 you know, I explained it to him. He's like, "And then what what's HDR?" And I think we talked about this maybe. Or I feel like it's an old it's a it's a yeah. it's a topic that's been covered well, by lots of quick. other people. But and we, then can we can talk about talk it for about a quick whether second. or not we like it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, a lot of people accuse my work of being HDR. Really? Yeah. Huh. How? Um, really? With the, yeah. uh, with people? Because you know, HDR well, like, uh, like with my humans. drabbles and that kind of stuff. That it, yeah. that it looks HDR esque. I guess I, for me, see, when, HDR with people or anything like moving, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just very. It's really difficult. You know. Sure. Um I think the the real the real trick to a perfectly successful hdr image landscapes with no wind exactly well not even not even no wind but just you know things without mo- without moving objects you know yeah. like landscapes still lifes rooms yeah. um you know in architecture photography for example the problem is it could be a very well here let's back up so yeah. the idea is that you can take the same picture at multiple exposures. So right. one kind of dark, one correct, and one bright at, the, at its simplest. Right. And, and just and for then, the record, HDR stands for high dynamic range. Yes. And when we say dynamic range, we're talking about the sensitivity. Um, because as we mentioned in the, in the, in the past, uh, a, sense, you know, a camera sensor, or even film for that matter, um, isn't as sensitive, doesn't have as, as, as dynamic a, a range as, as the human eye. You know, the human eye and the brain have the amazing ability to be able to t- to to see really really bright things and really really dark things and and make the most sense of it so that you get this really clear, crisp, sharp, vivid image. Um, which, when you try to reproduce electronically or even chemically with film, yeah. uh, it just doesn't quite uh, happen right out of the box. You know you what know? I do as a little trick is if I squint, yeah, 
it sort of blocks up the shadows and makes the highlights kind of blow out. Yeah. And that is what I use to like kind of determine whether or not there's too much dynamic range for my camera. What I what I do is is sort of similar. I throw my eyes out of focus. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, and then and then that that also kind of helps me see. You know, you can get a nice big kind of simple, rough compositional right. look of what your thing is. You know, shapes wise, shapes colors wise, if you uh, if you do it that way. Yeah. So you take these three exposures and you feed them into a computer, and there's software that takes the bright parts of the dark image. You know, bright, the, the, like the bright, brighter shadows. It takes the less bright highlights from the bright image from the. What, you know what I'm saying? I do. The, yeah. The, the, the brighter parts from of the shadows from the bright image, the darker parts of the highlights from the dark image, and mixes them with the one in the middle, so that you get something where there isn't anything in complete black shadow, ideally, or and and that the highlights aren't blown out to white. Right, so, so you can and, detail all across the spectrum. Exactly, and j- just to give a, a a little bit more of a a, a vivid um, example, let's let's all imagine for a moment that we're taking a picture of of Bill, and Bill happens to be sitting inside a room, and he happens to be sitting in front of a window. And if we look out the window, it is a beautiful day outside. You know, nice blue sky, nice white puffy clouds, um, and so if we point our camera. Uh, in Bill's direction, and we uh, let's assume that the camera is is metering, is, is making its decision about what the photographic exposure is going to be based on what is in the center of the image, right? So if we move Which the is center, my ugly mug. Well, it, yeah, by default, but but let's so let's say we 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 basically point our camera directly at Bill, and then um, the camera sees Bill, and it sees that he's inside. And, and that it's dark inside and that there's a bright background behind him. And so what it's going to do is it's going to say, oh, I need to let as much light in as I can because the subject here is, is dark. So it, it performs that exposure measurement. And when you take the picture, you get uh, a nicely exposed bill, but the window behind bill is blown out completely. It's like bright white. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and for some people, that's fine. But wouldn't it be great? If we could get Bill exposed properly and the lovely view out the window exposed properly. So then what you do is you, you kind of move the camera off to the side for a second. You, you meter for the window. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool. I, you know, I've got my exposure. You take the picture out the window. And next thing you know, Bill is a silhouette. He's a shadow standing in front of the window because the window is so much brighter than Bill. So with HDR, what you do is you're basically adding... Uh, a couple of layers to that process. So you, you know, ideally in an HDR uh, scenario, you're using a tripod because at the end, at the end of the session, once you get these photos back in your computer, you're going to need to composite them together. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, a process in Photoshop. A lot in, of people are doing the handheld HDR nowadays because yeah, it's definitely come a long so way. so fast and they're so good at lining them up and they just crop a few pixels at the edges. That is definitely true. Um, but originally HDR bracketing, but the, has come, the, yeah, what I was going to say is also the, uh, it's come a, such a long way, dude. It's, it's even in the current iteration of the iPhone camera software. Yes. It's actually doing it in the phone, like you know, on my cell phone camera, which is kind of insane. But I mean, initially the whole concept, so bracketing on your camera, 
basically does all uh, does this whole exposure stuff automatically. So it takes the correct exposure, what it thinks the correct exposure is, and then it'll take an exposure a stop or two above and then a stop or two below so that when you come home, you have what you need. Now, most of this was originally more useful for film photographers who didn't know what they were getting when they were out and about. Right. So they would take multiple exposures, one what they thought, one hot, one cold, and then, you know, so that when they got home, if the if the one they thought was right was too bright, they could go with the one that was darker, etc. Right. Um, uh, which was why it was called bracketing, you know, because it's like, oh, I want to get this whole range here from dark to light. Exactly. And, and, and to perform a bracket, it's very simple. You basically, um, you, you, you generally do it with, I mean, there's the, the, the two factors in, uh, in traditional bracketing are shutter speed and aperture. Um, I would guess most people do it with shutter speed um, to maintain the depth of field. Well, for so, HDR, yes. Yeah. So, so what you do is, let's say you're shooting at an f8, uh, which is kind of right in the middle of, of the lens's range as a rule, and then you shoot your one thing. You, you know, your first shot comes in at, at we'll say a 250th of a second. Then your second shot, which will be the darker one, uh, goes in at a 500th of a second, and then your bright one will go in at 125th of a second. So that way you've got these three shots at different shutter speeds, which let in different amounts of light, and then you can blend them in um, after the fact. Uh, interestingly enough, I mean, some people do crazy seven and nine shot brackets, which I have, I have seen that and it doesn't make a ton of sense to no, me. No, it's stupid. I mean, you know, cause if, as long as you have probably a couple, couple stops away from each one, there's enough information overlapping in them to give the computer enough stuff to do. Yeah. Um, enough, you know, and the computers keep getting better at this, of course, you know, they plug uh, in no, and, and, and the sensors too. The sensors yeah. are getting more and more, now, um, what happens sensitive. is that these, these, these pictures, in, if you do it right in Photoshop, what you end up with is a high, an actual HDR photo, which is a 32-bit per channel photograph, which a screen cannot show correctly. So it just right. looks weird. Right. To make that to something that you can show on a screen, you what's called tone map it, uh, which is to like bring it down to 16-bit or 8-bit. And the computer does all these calculations and makes it fit within the dynamic range of the monitor or the printer or whatever it is. Right. Um, and that's the stuff that you see. Now, when this stuff first <coughs> excuse me, uh, first came out, people way overused it, and a lot of people still do, yeah. uh, to where yeah. they tone map the shit out of these things. And they, well, they make, and they make them look like cartoons. Like if you were to go on to Flickr like cartoons, yeah. and, and take a cruise through any of the HDR Flickr groups – you will you yeah. will see a plethora of these like surrealistic solarized you know blurred you know sensationalized some of them images. are absolutely beautiful and i'm not i'm not discounting the photographers but but it, it i don't know it uh, nowadays it all feels very trendy and like overdone 2 years ago no i would i would agree with that um, um i think i think in my, in my opinion uh, the ultimate application for high dynamic range photography is in landscape and, and architecture photography. Yes, where like I'm an I'm an I'm an architecture photographer, right? So I I just got commissioned or asked by uh, this you know the people who built this building or the people who designed this interior, and they want me to to make this picture look really really good, right? So so I'm going to go and in that same kind of classical example that I just made about Bill in front of the window, I I need to take a picture of what's inside the room, and then I also need to reflect what's happening outside the room and get all those things balanced. And, and I, I think in the old days, you know, one of the reasons people shot on large format, in addition to having, 
you know, just that amazing quality of glass and to minimize the, the reproduction, you know, you know, so that you're only making it like a two X reproduction as opposed to a 10 X reproduction when you're enlarging it, uh, is also to facilitate compositing. Like people used to actually take Easier like razor up. blades. Yeah. They should take, you know, in the dark room, they could actually take blades and, and, and make masks and mats and stuff and actually, you know, composite together these, you know, these yeah. images because the film was so damn big. I mean, if you're shooting on a piece of eight by 10 film, yep. that's a ton of real estate that you have yeah. to work with. You can it's get the same really, thing with uh, yeah. cutting two inch tape and in, in the, yeah, uh, exactly. The that's why that's how splicing. And then the reason why analog tape is so awesome um, for like, if you want to do a slight pitch correction, yeah. there's still, I mean, don't get me wrong. The software that's out there now is amazing, but there's just something really magical about just just slowing it down by a couple inches per second you know like a fraction of an inch per second and you get that and it just fattens it up or sweetens it up or whatever you want to call it you know it's uh no you're completely right and when i do a lot of pictures too i mean i may shoot the window separately as you're saying Mm -hmm. but i generally don't do an hdr process to get that window in there i'll actually go in yeah just crop it out just grab the good one and and i'll mask it in yeah yeah Um, that's that's generally how i'll do it too by the way, uh, uh, just a quick aside, I was up in Boston earlier this week, and I um, uh, I went to have lunch with the uh, chair and assistant chair of my department at Berkeley when I used to go there. Oh, yeah, you um, told me that. Yeah, and uh, but they were telling me that uh, a few years ago, because they used to do, we used to do stuff on two-inch tape. When I was there in the late 90s, I mean, everything we did was on 24-inch, uh, 24-track two-inch tape. Nice. And... Uh, and I said, you know, when did that all change? And they said about four or five years ago, apparently Quantigy uh, announced on January 1st that they shut down the factory. That, and that's so, old news, though. Yeah, no, it was five years ago. Yeah. yeah. No, but here's the thing. So mm-hmm. between January 1st and January 15th or whenever the kids came back from break or January 10th or whatever, they had to rewrite the entire curriculum and reschedule everyone because they couldn't get the tape to do it. So they really? had to make the switch from analog to digital Within a week. That doesn't make any sense. Well, Certainly I mean, they had some some tape sitting around. They could have posted, postponed it for at least a year. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, but no, it's actually because it, the minute that the tapes were like it, that was announced. Oh, I guess of, everybody went nuts and bought it all. Yeah. All yeah, the like all the big wigs and people were working on projects in L.A. and Nashville and whatnot, like just Yoink. bought it. Yoink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the prices went through the roof. So oh, it's just, it's just, uh, it was just interesting. What a nightmare that would have been. See you know? also Polaroid. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, I, I used to buy Polaroid for eighty bucks a box, and now it goes oh. for five hundred a box. You know. Oh my god. Um, it's so insane. But uh, so yeah, so I think we, you know, I think the HDR is a neat idea. I think in the right hands, it can be fantastic. Yeah. I think it's an example of something that digital does better than film. Mm. Um. The downside of it is that people way overuse it and abuse it. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's it's kind of like um, tube effects in recording. It's like, yeah, we get it, you know. Like, <laughs> right. The, the or, people, or reverb. Like, yeah. oh, man, great. You have that awesome reverb. If you're using it right, you don't notice it. Yeah. And I, exactly. think, I think that's the case for HDR. And I, look, I'm guilty of playing with the extremes myself. Sure. Well, how, else, how else are you going to learn? Well, you that's know? the thing. And at the important. time, that was like the end thing. And it was like, oh, how do you get that look? You know? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. How, it's, it's like a recording. How do you get that thing with the auto pitch, you know, thing that Cher did? You know, like. <laughs> right. Everybody has to go through that exercise and just do it once. Exactly. And then everyone yeah. knows what it is. And then it just seems stupid. I agree. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, so that's what bracketing is for. And that's what HDR is. And it is fun and it is useful and play with it. But it is not the fix everything, you know. 
No, no. It's very it, difficult it, for for me for portraits. I've done some HDR portraits. You have the person sit real still. Yeah. You, you know, you use use auto bracketing, so it's you know, or you know, right? No, you know, you know where we use it a lot. Actually, I told you I work with my friend Kent. Yeah. Uh, and he photographs oh, those the wind, yeah. yeah, the windows uh, at Macy's. And man, you want to talk about some some dynamic range? I mean, these things have ridiculously hot, you know, yeah. uh, tungsten spotlights on them. So, you know, I mean, he really does have to use like he, I think he does a, a seven or, or nine stop bracket because How does some he of that get around the glare. <laughs> well, that's the secret. I'm not going to reveal the secret on the podcast, but I will tell does you. Does he move uh, the cameras? No. No, we have a we have a very uh, involved technique. Oh, do you have to go inside and like turn certain I, lights off at certain times? No, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Okay, I, that, I, that I, sounds no, like that sounds interesting. Anyway, so it's a trade. I, I mean, I, I don't mind telling you, but it's not my secret. Trade secret. I so, I, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want right, to. We'll off, get into so. that later. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what was the other question? Uh, it wasn't a question. Um, he w- did you see that uh, article or post? Um, it must have been two three weeks ago now, where some guy. Uh, oh, put, re- the, put the old lens on a 5D or whatever. That's right. He retrofitted some 100-year-old yes. view camera lens on his, uh, on his 5D. I have an opinion on this. Oh, and what is that? The opinion is, is that I didn't think that it looked as old or fantastic as other people looked. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 said I, thought, I thought it looked like baby, a very dude. ordinary, crappy lens. Yeah, like, like, or like a lens baby. You it know, wasn't seen... a particularly good old lens, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I, think I mean it's right. one thing if if you're look I I find manually focusing fast lenses on a 35 millimeter camera very difficult to do. Right? I mean yeah. we talked about this last time. I think no, it's hard. The depth um, of field is like razor razor right. thin, which is the problem with the Zeiss lenses on Canon or Nikon. I I I like them. I like the T star coating. I like the look they give, but I can't be manually focusing all day long. You know when I'm trying to shoot. Um, and that's not that I can't manually focus. It's just that I can't guarantee that it's going to be sharp where I need it to be sharp. And I'm not going to spend all the time doing it. So the idea of retrofitting all these old lenses on these cameras, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fun and everything. But, like, you know what? New lenses are pretty damn good. Like, the yeah. high-end Nikon and Canon lenses are really, really good. Well, you know, here's the, here's the thing. Where, and I think where... if some new camera lens suddenly came out tomorrow, everyone would be trying to figure out how to put their L-glass on their new whatever, because L-glass was the... You know what I mean? No, I know. And, and here's the thing. Um, actually, I Kent and I were experimenting with this um, a while ago. So, what, yeah, one of the nice things about Nikon is that they haven't changed their lens mount in 50 years. And you can pretty much stick any old lens on a new digital body and, and get a shot. You know, um there's obviously some exceptions to that rule. Now, but, Nikon um, people pull this out all the time, but you know what? There's yeah. there's EOS to FD adapters for Canon, but not many right. people do it. No, I know. the old lenses aren't that good. Well, but here's the thing: there are certain aspects of the old lenses that are kind of neat. And but but um, let's say let's take a specific lens design that hasn't really changed much. So in this case, we were comparing the 105. 2.8 macro lens. Uh, I, I have, I personally have the, uh, the, I think it's the second generation manual focus version of that lens, which was then uh, updated and released as an autofocus lens, as a D lens, like in the 80s. And then more recently was released as uh, a G lens with uh, the, the vibration reduction. Now, the one uh, I've got about is an five F4, years ago. no? 
<clears throat> the one, yeah, the one you have in that little collection is an f4. Yeah. But so, but but just to sort of stay consistent here, so <laughs> these are three lenses that all have very similar design and look, right? They'll have a nice shallow depth of field. They're, you can focus really, really close. They're nice and sharp. Um, but if you take all three of those lenses and you take the same exact shot, like like let's say it's a really there's a lot of white uh, or a lot of bright highlights in the image. And then you, zo- you start zooming in. You start pixel peeping, as they say. Uh, you will find, from one lens to the other, the older lenses are way more um, suspect to the purple and green fringing effect right. that you'll see. Uh, and the newer lenses um, have this, this the, I guess they call it a, a coating. You know, I think on the Nikon side, it's the nano crystal coating. That's what the little N icon on the lens means. Uh, and they, they help cut down on that, that effect. Right. Um, now whether or not the, the look and see, here's the thing to, to me that actually that, that fringing effect, that kind of, that's like the, the equivalent of, of analog, you know, distortion you know it's on, on in an audio recording you know that that's like that's like the equivalent between tape it's like well you know what that's there's a little bit of warmth or fuzz or whatever um but it, it, it it's good you know i kind of like the well the, yeah the, you know it's fine it was fine on 35 millimeter film because you were only yeah. blowing it up to eight by ten of course but nowadays when you're shooting with these cameras and blowing up to 20 by 30 yeah those deficiencies in those lenses are much more obvious no it's true it's true so I, anyway i, I I was just going to say that that's uh, that's that's that you know that that's an interesting uh, look. I've got um, for yeah. my Leica when I bought my M4, the lens I bought with it was a a, a 1953 uh, 50 millimeter Summicron or whatever the hell they are. Actually, right. no, it was it, yeah, it was. It was one of these weird ones that you could actually twist and collapse in. Yeah, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. Um, but for some reason, the coating on the lens started wearing away and so if i stopped down too much i started getting these weird blotchy things in the pictures hmm. and so i brought it to who's the who's the what's the company like upstairs at some place that does repair oh, yeah 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 they, you know that same company my dad took me to that place we got um all of our old nikon lenses it's like a bunch of japanese guys working yeah there. They converted them all so that they would work on my newer because there was a point in time when Nikon changed their meter coupling system from the pin to the little notch, um, but you could you could actually retro mount the notch onto those old pin based lenses and still use them. Okay, uh, they call it AI apostrophe D. Like you have your lens AI'd. You know this okay. lens has been AI'd so that it can work on an AI. Auto indexing is what AI stands for. Okay, um, so so you can essentially use your old you know vintage sixties glass on a you know, on an eighties camera, so to speak. Right. Okay, so the, the, but the, I, I brought it to that place, and the guy yeah. looked at it, and he's like, "Yeah, the coating's going dead," Aww. and I'm like, and and I said, I said, you know, is there anything you could do? And he's just like, "Well, we don't do it, but there are people who recoat them, huh. but you're going to spend seven hundred dollars recoating it when it's worth two hundred fifty bucks." <laughs> yeah, just you know what I mean. So one. right, yeah. so I ended up buying a better, a much more recent, like six, late sixties vintage Summicron. Yeah. Is, is the one that I keep on my camera all the time. Right. However, I will tell you that the look of the pictures from the older lens yeah. is very different from the look of the pictures with the later lens. No, I believe it. And w- when you're shooting with a Leica and you're only printing at 6x9 or you know that kind of like relatively small size, there's a look to the bokeh that's, that's, that's different, you know? 
No, I, no. I, and, and what's funny is I've I've seen exactly what you're talking about uh, uh, in, recently in the world of medium format. Mm-hmm. Uh, when comparing, I, like I mentioned, in, I've mentioned in the old the old Hasselblad lenses. Uh, yeah, in previous podcasts, I mentioned yeah. that the three systems that I've become familiar with recently are uh, the Hasselblad V system, which is all their old manual focus stuff. The H system, which which actually the glass is actually made. I think they're, they're all by made Fuji. by uh, Fuji in Japan. Yep. Um, and then there's also the Mamiya stuff, which is actually also Seiko, which is made also in Japan. Yep. But all three of those lenses have really they're all super sharp and they're all they all look tremendous, but they all have their own. Yeah. Special little flavor, but even know? if you went and bought a, a five, whatever the hell the latest five 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 or whatever the hell the latest camera, oh, is. like just the current, yeah, the her- if you go Hasselblad, buy it with yeah. an eighty millimeter lens, that eighty millimeter lens is going to look very different than the one, say, I've got on my five hundred cm from whatever it is seventy two uh, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, probably. You know, even though they all have that T star coating, and I I love the Zeiss glass. Um, it's just it, it, they're different. Now, if you're comparing. You know, high-end Zeiss and Leica glass from the '60s, from the '50s through the '80s. Say, yes, there are certain lenses in that range that you know have a certain look and that might be as good as the best lenses nowadays. But the majority of people who are going looking for old lenses are buying crappy lenses that are like fogged up or not very good. So the yeah. the guy who put that old lens on the 5D, it was like these pictures aren't very good. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, I look. I, I think it's cool that he retrofitted it and the image circle matched up and it worked. Yeah, and good for him for for yeah. the hack. Yeah. But as far as the artistic thing of it, it was like, okay, it was really soft on the outside, on the edges. Like I mean, yeah. massively sh- soft. No, it's um, true. Barely sh- sharp in the middle, and that was on web-sized images. Well, let's also let's also not discount the fact that I'm pretty sure he processed. All of that shit. Yeah. Like, you know, these aren't, we weren't looking at raw files straight out of the camera. These yeah. are all processed to some extent, you know, which it's, it's, brings me. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, this brings me, dude, I can, I can recommend some fantastic apps for your iPhone that do just that effect for like two or three bucks. Yeah. You know, well, there's don't a bunch get me of into the hipstamatic stuff. That stuff <laughs> oh drives God. me nuts. It's, but it's everywhere. Well, well you know, yeah, everywhere. everyone needs to put that shit away. Um, <laughs> but, you know, look, it, the, the thing is, the the problem I have with it is the same problem I had when people were trying to make digital recording sound analog. It's like good digital fixed all of these problems, you know, yeah. that people bitched and moaned about wow and flutter and, and tape noise. And, yeah. you know, all these things that people complained about for years as deficiencies in the recording medium were fixed. And then they now wanted to bring them back because they missed it. It's like suddenly the things that, that were the problems become i don't know everyone becomes nostalgic for them no it's and true. they I mean, want and they want to find heard, them again have you heard that that recent uh someone did a poll there they were uh they were they were um whatever they're polling i guess teenagers uh kids who who didn't really know what the difference between like we'll say an analog recording and a digital recording was sure. or more specifically who didn't know um <laughs> what the difference between an actual you know uncompressed audio sound versus a compressed audio sound sure and, and these people just because i think it's more because they're from just more familiar with it yeah and it's because of what they grew up with they, prefer they the actually compressed. prefer the compressed they can it's like you, you're preferring a jpeg over a raw you can per, can uh yeah. com, you prefer an mp3 uh over a, a wave file or an aff yeah. file it's yeah it's it's kind of insane yeah but it makes sense too i mean i'm like i totally get that it's like well 
you know, I mean, look at look at junk food. You know, so I you will find people who will happily you know wait in line for McDonald's cheeseburger when when you offer them the you know you can offer the fast food cheeseburger, you can offer the handmade hand grilled sure. you know delicious cheeseburger. Some people are just going to go with what they know. Well, and sometimes what they sometimes know. you want McDonald's. You know, well, I suppose that's true too. I don't know. It's just it's it, no. It, it, I just think that it's funny that people talk about this stuff as if, like I said, the hack was cool, but the results were stupid. Yeah, I I, that, I, didn't, that, that I only looked at this stuff on once, uh, and I, I so I can't I can't say it. As, Look, as I, I had as I you, had a but, lens baby. I've played with. I've I've made pinhole caps for my camera. Sure, you know I've done this kind of stuff. Yeah, but, me too. But, but I, I, I actually I like my lens. I have the lens baby, the the composer system, the little yeah. ball and socket one. Yep. And it's it's fun, man. The, you know what? I, I really have a lot of fun with it. Is uh, it's is fun, but it's a special movies. effect. Yeah, exactly. Like for a for a, for a, a stop motion yep. or for a video type thing. Yes. Um. I, and I guess if there's a specific thing that you want, like you know what that look is, and you want that look, and the lens baby is a great, easy, you know, get it in the camera kind of yeah. way to do that. But um, it's not it's not like an all purpose. It's not something I'm gonna. I don't carry around with, uh, with me to every shoot. Yeah. I, I mean, I love. I just like the fact that I have it. And I know how it works. You know, it's funny. Just a, a quick aside. You know, when I look at pictures that I've scanned from 35 millimeter. Let's mm-hmm. assume for the moment that I'm talking about like modern Nikon or Canon and not Leica because that has a whole other thing to it, a whole other mm-hmm. look to it. Mm-hmm. But the, the the pictures that I take with my 5D2 look a lot more like medium format scans than they do 35 millimeter scans. Hmm. You know, they look like I scan stuff on my Hasselblad, not like I scanned a 35 millimeter frame. In some ways, I mean, 35 millimeter digital is is has gotten to the point where it's better than 35 millimeter film ever was you know hmm. as far as like the amount of information captured you know yeah i guess I, there's no way I, I mean look at my drabbles those were 20 by 30 inches there's no way you could print stuff from a 35 millimeter frame that would look like that if it was film never yeah no it's I true mean, i mean it there has was to detail do with the on of, them i mean you yeah, got information captured you could go right up and look at your beard there's no way that it would look like that in film you know that's true no it's true so I'm just saying that like that that's you're at the level of detail that medium format people used to shoot have to shoot medium format because they needed that amount of detail they don't need to ninety percent of the time anymore. You know? I mean yeah, that's why I, very the, few wedding people shoot medium format anymore where they used to. Yeah, I, I know when I was I used to assist uh, a, a wedding photographer back when I was in high school and he shot everything medium format uh, partially just because it was so I mean when you shoot he he had a whole stack probably like seven or eight of these things because they were just indestructible this old connie omega um ratchet style ouija style you know like a shotgun you know Mm -hmm. you have to cock it sort of back and forth like pull the thing to the left and back again to the right to to load the next frame uh and then like these giant ass potato masher style flashes on them and you know you crank it down to f8 and and you didn't even have to focus i mean it just everything as long as you fit them in he's like as long as you can fit them in the frame everything will be fine you know they'll be lit cleanly and they'll be in focus yeah uh and then he did like the you know the beauty portraits and all that crap with um with an rz actually Mm -hmm. uh and then the rest of the the, you know just the the event coverage sort of stuff he would do with um 35s no i guess everything was connie omega everything Mm -hmm. was all medium format Uh, never never liked that rz yeah, well, it, it is what it is, you know. The uh, yeah. So anyway, the 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 thing of this is just that old stuff can be fun. It's not necessarily better. Is it worth it? Sometimes there are gems in the piles, you know, of, yeah. of old stuff that can fit your camera. That's really great. 
If you don't have a particular lens, you know, if you don't, or if you want to walk around with an old 50 on a Nikon camera, you can go buy an old 50 millimeter and walk around and, you know, manually focus. Yeah. But is it optically going to beat the new 1.4? No. No, probably not. And you know what? You got to worry about mold and (laughs) the coatings wearing off. Right, and, and fringing and, and other and weird little noise artifacts. Water kind of getting stuff. in there. There's all kinds yeah. of, like, they're not, unless they're pristine, they're not right. going to be good. No, it's you true. Know? And cleaning them is a very, very expensive proposition. Right. And then, you know, obviously, there's also the, the thing you were talking about before, which is manual focus. Yes. Uh, I was just, uh, to just this afternoon, I didn't even tell you this, I uh, found another um, willing subject for my pet portrait project. And what is the uh, willing subject? These willing subjects were bunnies, rabbits. Who had bunnies? My friend Joel has four adorable little rodents uh, with long ears. And uh, you'd, you'd think, you know, rabbits are, are relatively, you know, docile and, and, you know, simple animals. But they, they don't hold very still, man. No. <laughs> and, and the lens they that I've been having... They shake a lot, too, don't they? Yeah, they're a little tremor. But you trembly. shoot with strobes. Uh, strobes. No, I do, but but here's the thing. Uh, th- that lens that I the, the lens that I've been trying to use more often, just because I really like the way it looks, is that 105 uh, macro. Okay. Uh, one of these days, I'm gonna spring for the automatic, you know, the 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 current one, the AF VR version of it. But the fact of the matter is, the, the the manual one I have looks great, you know, and it works just fine on my camera. But the focusing is a is a pitch, man. It's really hard, and I'm trying to get these little critters in focus. Uh, and after you know, after about 15 or 20 shots of just like, just missing it, I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah. I put on a, an automatic lens and, and continued shooting. Um, but for people, it's a lot easier, you know, because you can at least, you know, tell someone to hold still, sure. <laughs> you know, and, and, and get, get what you need. Yeah, we have to, you have to add, have you updated uh, your site with those new pictures yet? No, dude, I am so bad. I have a ton of shit that I need to update, like on my Flickr photo stream and my website and a couple of projects that I've started that I need to, to, to contribute to. I, I should, I'll probably get around to that this month. I think uh, um, I'm finishing up uh, Motion this week. I think I'm doing oh, nice. two more and then I'm done with that. And I did that, um, I recorded a podcast last week with... Uh, for a website called fadedandblurred.com, uh-huh. uh, which should be up on Tuesday or Wednesday, but I'll, I'll put a Twitter thing up about that. Cool. People are interested. Um, I think that's good. Yeah. You're pretty satisfied with uh, the, our, our subjects today? Yeah, I think we covered some ground. We, we, uh, we, d- we took some listener requests, and we talked about the internet a little bit more. Yeah. And uh yeah, it, I think that's good. And uh again, if, you know, we might who knows, we might have some new listeners this week or sure. or you know, in in the near future. Uh and again, we have a a website, we have webpage. Uh it is called uh <laughs> what is it called again? We are base and all your <laughs> base are belong to us. Yeah, that's yeah, main screen turn on. Yeah. Uh we have that. Uh yeah, if you go to Bill and Dan, I believe dot uh, blogspot dot blogspot, or if you're if you're if you can spell the word circuitous, I'm pretty sure we're one of the first hits. If you type in circuitous podcast into Google, okay, I think we're one of the first hits that comes up, and then you can find our blog there. It's a little scary and, that there are multiple circuitous podcasts. Well, I think I think somebody used the word circuitous in a review of a podcast, not 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 ours specifically. 
But uh, but yeah, we always welcome Actually, any Circuitous feedback. Actually, Podcast comes up first as the iTunes link. Oh, nice. That's that's good then. Yay. Yay us. Yeah, it's nice. So uh, thanks for podcasting in. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.